Welcome back to another episode of I Know I Know a Solo Beatles podcast where we talk all things solo Beatles. I'm your host, your um, moderator, whatever you want to call me, Hudson Ranny. Um, I'm joined by, I think we can be safe to call him the Jimmy McCulloch expert um, and the world's biggest Jimmy McCulloch fan. He um, wrote the book, which do you have it to hold up? Are you able to hold one up? Oh, yeah. let me uh, grab that real quick. The Jimmy McCulloch, the little wing, the Jimmy McCulloch story. Welcome back. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you having me on. Um, so first of all, I just want to get, um, how, what got you into McCartney's solo career? And why, Paul, other than the namesake of you having the same name as a Beatle? <laughs> uh, well, that's a pretty big uh pretty big thing for me um besides the name thing um i just kind of gravitated towards paul's solo career uh mainly in part to wingspan um which aired the spring after i really started getting into the beatles so it was really just perfect timing um and just off curiosity what is your favorite mccartney record now for me do you want mccartney's solo not including wings because I, I i think of wings as its own separate i do too entity so um, as so, mccartney and then you wings okay so mccartney solo i, I would have to say ram okay. um i also really enjoyed uh mccartney three um fleming pie uh chaos and creation in the backyard Egypt station i mean tug of war the list goes on and on really uh, for Wings, uh, Venus and Mars, hands down. Um, but I mean, I, I love all the Wings records. Um, yeah, I agree with, uh, it's either that or Back to the Egg for me. It's really so neck and neck. And Wildlife. I'm a big Wildlife yeah. fan. That's cool. Um, so, and what was your first like Wings record? Was that just the Wingspan comp? I think my first Wings record that I bought was Ben on the Run from Barnes and Noble. And I remember checking out and the the person behind the counter was was like, hey man, that's a good record. You'll you'll enjoy that. I'm like, nice. Um, was that a CD or an LP? Yeah. And did it have Helen Wheels on it? Yeah, it was the 25th anniversary. Oh, nice. So it was, I think, the two-disc special edition, um, which had all like the little snippets of interviews and stuff like that um, about the making of the record. But yeah, so that was the first one that I remember vividly. Um. So now let's uh, dive into the book. Um, sure. Why? Why Jimmy? What attracted you to Jimmy? So, again, uh, watching Wingspan and being young at the time, I sort of gravitated towards Jimmy uh, because I was just so amazed at this young guy, you know, playing lead guitar with Paul McCartney. Um, like, to me, that's just ama amazing. And um, so definitely, like, hearing Junior's Farm, uh, his solo in that, and uh, his slide guitar work on Down the Run, 
um, just cemented like, like, wow, you know, what a cool guy. So I want, so after Wingspan finished, I was like, you know what, I need to learn what I can about, about this young guy. And unfortunately there wasn't really much out there in either online, um, but there was a, there was a great website on GeoCities, which isn't around anymore, but it was all about like Jimmy's session work and like his, uh, basically a, a discography. Um, so that was a great website, which I visited pretty much daily. Um, but like in the McCartney biographies, there's really, there was really nothing besides, you know, oh, Jimmy was a great guitar player, but like he had his issues and that that's really all, all that was said. So I thought that Jimmy deserved better than that. And um, so the seeds were kind of planted for uh, this book. Um, and then um, did, was it originally going to be a book or were you thinking, um, like documentary so originally it was going to be it started out as okay i want to do a book but then i kind of warmed up to the idea of doing a film documentary before i was persuaded wisely i should say wisely persuaded to go back to doing the book route um because the film documentary would cost quite a bit of money like securing all the the audio rights um like the film visuals and stuff like that so but the book i think was the right call i i agree um and first of all i want to talk about um jimmy's childhood i mean what did you find out because i mean you don't when you look at even regular wings members that are more well known like lawrence Huber, there's not mm -hmm. much on their childhood and um so how did you kind of get that information? So, so I have a question. So I don't have Lawrence's book. Do you have his book? No, I don't. Okay. Cause I was one, I was wondering how much of that would delve into his childhood and sort of his upbringing. But um, so with Jimmy's childhood, he played his first, he got his first guitar at age 11. And before that he and his brother, Jack, they, sort of like teamed up and played at the interval um, during uh, their dad's concerts at like bingo halls and stuff like that. And um, so Jimmy first got interested in the guitar around age five or six. And like, as Jack told me, they really, really didn't think he was serious. But once his father uh, got Jimmy a guitar, like Jimmy just started picking things up and it was pretty amazing um, that he was just like a natural. Wow. Um, I mean, what was his dad? Play? Was his dad a guitarist as well? So Jimmy's dad, uh, Jimmy Sr., or Big Jim, as he was fondly called, was a, a trumpet player in a semi-professional jazz band in uh, Scotland. Um, and did you get a chance to talk to him at all, or had he already passed by that time? Um, I didn't get a chance to talk to him, unfortunately. Um, he passed pretty early on in my project, but um, but he did know what, what I was doing, um, and I think he approved of it, so that's good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what about his mother? Did um, Was his mother around when the project came about? 
Yeah, uh, I exchanged a few postcards and stuff with her, um, but that was about the extent of it. She's good. She's up there in age. Yeah. Um, so, but my main communication with Jimmy's family was um, his brother uh, Jack and and Jack's wife. So. And um, it, is Jack um Jack's a drummer, if I recall correctly. Correct. Um. And I mean, were they close? What was the um, extent of the relationship uh, between Jimmy and Jack? Yeah, yeah. So they were they were really close. They were uh, they were you know not, not only brothers but they were best friends. Um, so they had a, a very close uh, relationship. And um, they... Jack, J- Jack, you know, being the older brother, he kind of you know looked out for Jimmy in a lot of ways throughout um... his life. What was the age gap? Because I think Jimmy was born in 53. Uh, I think that four or five years, if I want, if I'm remember, remembering correctly. Oh, wow. So that's, I mean, that's a pretty big age gap, I mean, for siblings, because yeah, in now's timeline. Um, well, back then, I think it was, it seemed, seemed bigger, I think, because now, Four to four or five years isn't that big in my in my opinion. Yeah, true. But for siblings, um, I think my sister's six years older than I am, and my brother's four. Oh wow! Older than me. So you're the you're the little. Yeah. Salad. <laughs> <laughs> well, other than Milo, but. <laughs> <laughs> um. So um. Give us a timeline of jimmy's like career please so jimmy started out as i said uh he was 11 when he and jack formed their first band called the jay gars that would have been 1964 and so the jay gars they became pretty well known in scotland and they supported supported all the big acts at the time uh they supported the who which is where jimmy met, met pete townsend and you know, uh, the Tremolos, Tony Rivers and the Castaways, the Pretty Things, uh, you name it. Um, so they were around for a couple of years and then they kind of dissolved. And so Jimmy and Jack then formed One in a Million in 66. So, and they had a couple of singles that didn't chart, but are kind of really well regarded in the psychedelic underground scene um, in retrospect since they were released and they did a lot of gigs. I think Jack told me they did around 450 gigs and they were together wow. for about th- three years. Um, so one in a million, um, they had a great, their singles were great. Uh, Double Sight and Frederick Hernando. And um, yeah. And they also like supported Pink Floyd. They played the Technicolor Dream, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. Perfect. It was uh, sort of like an all-night event in April of 67 that Pink Floyd put on. And, like, John Lennon was there. Uh, I think that might have been where Carnival of Light was played, like, endlessly yeah, in the loop. I think it um, was. Yeah. So one in, one in a Million played that gig, which is cool. And um, so throughout my research, I actually got in touch with the uh, guy who attended the, that concert. And he took photos of one in a million. So they're in, in the book, which is pretty cool. Um, oh, wow. So, that, so that's one in a million. 
And then from one in a million, he joined Thunderclap Newman, which of course gave him his only, his, uh, Pete, which gave Pete Townsend his number one, his only number one hit with something in the air, um, which Pete produced, of course, and he played bass on it. And Jimmy was 16 at the time, which made him the, the youngest UK guitarist to play on a number one record. Um, wow. So Thunder, so Thunderclap kind of, I mean, they did an album, which is my favorite album of all time, Hollywood Dream. And they did, <clears throat> they did some live gigging around before breaking up in 71. So then Jimmy joined up with John Mayo for a, a bit uh, on a short tour. And then he joined, uh, or he formed his own band called Bent Frame. Uh, the Jimmy McCulloch band, is they renamed it. And then uh, he joined up with Stone the Crows after Les Harvey passed away. And then after Stone the Crows, he joined Blue for a short stint. And then he joined up with Wings in 74, um, huh. so which, which is his big, big stop, of course. Um, do you want me to keep going? Yeah. So, so everybody knows the Wings portion of Jimmy's story. So after Jimmy left Wings in 77, he joined up with the reformed Small Faces with Steve Marriott. And then he joined um, uh, a band called The Dukes in late 78 and then um, they released a record in September of 79 and then uh, they were going to go out on tour to support the, the album but unfortunately Jimmy passed away and um, that's about it. Um, now, so that, that's, that's the main gist of it. <laughs> I mean so going back to the what were some, what were some of the people that you talked to um, like in the Wings realm? In the Wings room, I talked to uh, Howie Casey, uh, Tony Dorsey of the Horn Section, Jeff Burden, drummer, uh, very briefly, Joe English and Whoa. Denny Lane, um, Steve Hawley, and I talked briefly to Lawrence Juber as well. Uh, I tried to get Paul, but uh, unfortunately, I didn't, didn't get a chance to talk to Paul, but um and then if you want like non-musicians i talked with uh a couple of the roadies um, on the wings over america tour um a publicist um and uh did you get the the wings over america uh deluxe like archive edition no no i didn't did you yeah um so Included in that is a series of drawings uh, by Humphrey Ocean. Um, so he was like an artist that joined Wings on tour. Uh, so I talked to him and also uh, Pamela Keats, who uh, designed all their wardrobe stuff for the tour. Wow. Um, yep. So if I'm missing anybody else, I'm sorry, guys, but <laughs> this is off the top of my head. Um. What about any, like, um, what about, like, from the other music? What about, so, like, from the other bands that he was in? Yep. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> so I talked with uh, Pete Townsend um, about Thunderclap Newman. Uh, and I talked with Andy Newman from Thunderclap, uh, Roger Felice, Thunderclap, Jim Avery of Thunderclap, uh, Ronnie Peel, uh, rest in peace of Thunderclap, um, Jack. 
of course, of Jaguars and one in a million. Alan Young of one in a million. Um, Bill McGowan of one in, of uh, the Jaguars. Uh, Colin Allen, which is uh, Jimmy's songwriting partner, um, of Still in the Crows. Uh, Kenny Jones of the Small Face and the Who. Uh, Roger Daltrey. Uh, Miller Anderson of the Dukes. Um, John Mayo. Oh. And um, yeah, I think that's about it. If I'm missing, did you ever get a chance to talk to uh, Mike McCartney? Oh yeah, yeah, I did. I did talk with Mike. Whoa, it's pretty cool. I love the McGear album. It's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, oh. it's a great record. Um, because I mean, Jimmy plays guitar on it. Yeah, yeah. So McGear was the sort of catalyst of Jimmy getting into Wings. Uh, I think Paul was really impressed with Jimmy's playing on that album. And uh, he asked him to join Wings. I, yeah, I mean, I mean, how did like Jimmy and Paul meet? Um, like, how did they come across each other, really? So Paul became aware of Jimmy when he was in Thundercup Newman and um, like in the music scene, it's such a small, small world. Like everybody knows everybody. Um, so like Jack and Jimmy would drink with the Wings road crew. So they, they knew all the people. Um, and this was, this was even before Jimmy joined Wings. So like, you know, they sort of knew, knew of each other. And when Jimmy left Blue in September, September of 73, uh, he went to Paris with Paul, Linda, Denny, and uh, Davey Ludden, I think, to do a couple of tracks for Linda's project, which was, of course, Susie and the Red Stripes. So that was Jimmy's first working experience with Paul and Linda. And then, um, then came McGear a couple of months later. Wow, and then, um, I mean, you got Junior's Farm and then right into Venus and Mars, which, yep. I mean, that guitar solo, when you hear um, the Take It Away, Jimmy, it's just like, it. I think it's his best guitar solo. I really do. In his uh, career or just his Wings period? In Wings period. In career, Wings period. I've yet to explore all of it, but... Mm as of now i mean what would you be your favorite guitar moment is in jimmy's career that's a good question um i'm kind of leaning towards uh accidents from thunderclap newman um that was also the longest solo of his career i think it's like a minute long and it's off the it's off the hollywood dream album but junior's farm is a good one um i also like the note you never wrote Oh, well, that's a speed, great speed song. of sound. Um, letting go. Uh, I mean, there's just so many good ones. So, um, with the book, um, how did when did you decide to go like self-publishing? Fairly recently, uh, mainly because I don't have a lot of money, <laughs> and uh, self-publishing sort of you know gives writers the option to publish. Uh, for free, which is which is cool. Um, 
So I went originally with uh, Amazon KDP, and then I learned that another self-publishing company was doing hardcover as well. So I went with them to do a couple of editions, but I didn't really like the quality of their their um, their self-publishing. So I kind of had a little bit of a hassle dealing with that, but um, so I had to switch self-publishing companies for the hardcover but uh everything is all good now so you can get both the hardcover and paperback through amazon um and i would highly recommend if anybody wants to self-publish uh do amazon kdp and ingram spark which is are the two companies that i used oh and um i want to talk about the uh myths um for a bit um yep i i don't understand the whole outline but there was a myth that he had a gun and he was going to go up to the farm and kill Paul and Linda. I mean, talk about clearing that up. Yeah, so that was that originated in a, in a book that uh, came out in the early 90s. And if you read it, it sort of seems like really bad fan fiction. Yeah. Like, like the author makes up these quotes that Jimmy supposedly said and <laughs> like when you read it and you're just like are you serious <laughs> like it's so it's that out there and wacky so it originated from there uh <laughs> so of course you know it's in a book so people believe it and I think the Daily Mail might have like made it its sensationalized headline in a review of the book because they needed like an excerpt from it. So that's where that started. And of course, you know, over the years, people believe it and it gets kind of ingrained and, you know, the myth grows larger and larger and larger. Um, but in, in my book, Jack, once and for all, he re refused the gun story, says it's not true. And he tells, um, why Jimmy left Wings, which is over money. Yeah, because, um, I mean, Paul, they just didn't think Paul wasn't paying enough, which I could, I can definitely see that. I mean, let's just say he likes to charge for his box sets. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah, Jack talks about that in the book. Um, I mean, if, if, if uh, like Jimmy and Joe were getting paid as they should have been paid, um, I think that lineup of wings could have stayed together a lot longer. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that Joe. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna guess that's probably the same with the uh, Holly Holly Juber lineup because I mean, I don't think that they're you know millionaires, but I mean, but that's just me because I mean. Yeah. Paul, let's just say Paul likes his money. Yeah. Um, um, just how did you get somebody like Joe English, who is very, let's just say, very out of the public eye? Uh, so what I did was I wrote him a letter and sent him some photos from like New Orleans that I don't think he's seen in a long time. I, you know, I just explained what I was doing. And I included my contact info, just, you know, 
just by the off chance he would want to connect or whatever. Um, so I sent the letter and then uh, a few days go by and uh, I look at my phone and there's a voicemail from uh, that I don't, from a number I don't recognize. And it was Joe English. So um, Joe's beautiful words that he spoke in that voicemail about Jimmy are, are in the book. Um, so, and I did, I did send him a, a copy of, of the book. So hopefully he'll like it. Yeah. I mean, you don't expect, cause I mean, what year was, did you um, get in contact with Joe? 20, 2014, 2015. So, okay. So he was, cause you started working on this in 2007, I believe from yeah. what I've heard. He was already kind of gone by then. Yeah. But wow, I mean, yeah, I think you're probably the only person in the Beatle world that's spoken to Joe English. Somewhat. Maybe, I don't know. I didn't think about that. Well, maybe, maybe Beatles author. I mean, other than the people that have worked with Paul and yeah. Joe. Um, and uh, so... And um, the uh, dead body in that uh, same book. Yep. Um, that we don't want to mention the author's name of. Um, do you mind debunking that myth for us? Uh, no, not at all. So that picture isn't what it says it is. Um, yeah. it's, it's from a few years earlier um, when Jimmy was very much alive. And uh so and the caption for that said something like a grisly scotland yard photo of jimmy mcclellan's body uh first of all there were no scotland yard photos taken at the flat and um period so yeah pe people who see that book in that photo uh rest assured that that's not what it says it is um, so that's another thing that I kind of debunk in, in the book is um, saying that straight. But uh, I mean, it's amazing that what that book was published in the early 90s. And so, so many people believe that that photo is what it says it is when it's not at all. Yeah, it's just, I mean, people, people will believe everything they read. I mean, I even believed it up until yeah. like a, a year or two ago did you did you happen to speak with that author and ask him about it no no <laughs> no um i was talking with with jimmy's family and somehow or another we got on the topic of that book and they hadn't seen that photo so i sent it to them and they're like yeah that's not what it is which is yeah. good um so <laughs> yeah and um, did did Jimmy ever cross paths with any of the other Beatles? Was there any brief like meetings? Uh, he came in touch with Ringo. Um, there's footage because Ringo attended the Wings concerts in Los Angeles. Um, so so there's footage of Jimmy and Ringo kind of interacting. Um, I'm not sure if he met George or not. I know George attended the Venus and Mars 
album wrap party. Um, so they might have met there. And I'm not sure about John because John was supposed to appear on Venus and Mars. Yeah. Before before Yoko kind of intervened. But um, other than that, I don't think they ever interacted. But I know that Jimmy did have one or two of John's drawings, which uh, one of my good friends has now, actually. Um, but Wow. And um, just um, how did you get uh, the who members of uh, Pete and Roger? Uh, that was through one of my good friends. Um, who works for the who and is a big fan of jimmy um so i have i have him to thank for for those interviews uh roger was more recent um because of the pandemic um, so i was fortunate enough to be able to talk to him in in uh late december of uh, 2020 oh wow so that was very 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 recent mm-hmm um and was that like um email Zoom? uh with with roger it was uh on the phone uh with p it was through email wow. so like so with p i would send my questions to his assistant and she would forward them on them on to pete oh wow so it was never like a direct email uh, to pete uh, just no. his assistant Right. Which I think most of those interviews, I would guess, are. Yeah. Um, like my, my interview with uh, Kenny Jones was by phone. Uh, a, a majority of them were email, but some of them were uh, over the phone uh, or in, in person. Um, Did you record the these interviews? Yeah. Um, is there ever... Do you think we'll ever have audio released of those interviews? Um, probably not. Um, but that's a that'd be a cool idea. I mean, I'd, I'd have to get permission from from everybody. Um, but yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, the audio version of Little Women Jimmy McCulloch's story. Yeah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Podcast idea. A good idea um now i also want to just mention um what do you did you ever find out like because i mean why did jimmy want to keep tabs on wings because i mean you talked to steve and lj about him briefly and uh like how is that because i mean they're a di- totally different lineup like why did he right. do you know why he kept tabs on them well, I mean, I would think being a member of a successful band, like even after you leave, you always sort of keep tabs on, on what your former group's doing and checking out their new record. Um, so with Steve, uh, Jimmy was really impressed by his drumming. Um, so And he actually asked him if he wanted to play on Jimmy's upcoming solo record, Um which, I mean, they didn't talk for very long. It was only like a couple of phone calls. And then Steve heard Jimmy passed away. But I don't know. I just think it's interesting that, like you, like Jimmy kept tabs on Wings after leaving the group. Um, I think it's pretty cool that 
that he thought Steve was his drumming was good enough for his rec- for Jimmy's record. I think Steve's a, an amazing drummer, and mm-hmm. I interview him in a couple months. Um, I'm going to talk about that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and with, with, with LJ, um, I didn't talk to him much, but, uh, I mean, he just sort of mentioned that he kept, like, because their playing is a bit different, but Lawrence mentioned that he also had a Gibson SG, so which Jimmy also had, of course. So that kind of kept that guitar, the same guitar, I guess you could say. But uh, oh. but I, I know that he, re- he respects Jimmy's playing. Yeah, I'm, yeah, well, I mean, I think the two best guitarists in Wings, I mean, I would have loved to see them do an album together or play together in one stage. That would have been great. Yeah, that would have been cool the ultimate wings tribute band with all the members from different lineups yeah um and um so paul i'm gonna turn it over to you tell us about your plug your book again um your group online and uh where we can find you yep so little wing the jimmy mcculloch story is available on amazon in hardcover and paperback. And if you're on Facebook, uh, you can join the Little Wing, the Jimmy McCulloch Story uh, Facebook group. Uh, my YouTube's Jimmy McCulloch Fan. And I hope anybody who listens to the to this podcast or views it, uh, if you buy the book, I hope you enjoy it. And um, it was a labor of love on my part. And I hope you gain a appreciation for who Jimmy was as a person and as the incredible uh, musician that he was. Um, so I'll plug my stuff now. Um, you can contact us. At I know I know podcast at iCloud.com. You can find us virtually anywhere. Check out the website. Uh, I think um, we've got some good shows coming up. I will be doing the live 321 reaction. Paul, did you see 321? Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, I watched it this weekend. I um, thought it was pretty good. It was a bit Beatles heavy for my taste. I would have enjoyed more focus on Wings or in a solo career. Like the, the Check My Machine bit was great. I, I, I was I so excited. I, I mean, I was like a deer out of headlights. I was like um, when <laughs> Sam Wiles woke up at that Beatles fundraiser. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Um, uh, you'll hear my reaction 8 p.m. with the I guess you can call third leg um, David Gargolino will be joining me so check that out and uh, yeah peace and love everybody